On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about the makeup of the modern day programmer. What impact has the changes in the industry done for programmers? What does it take to be a successful programmer? And how do people who want to get into control system programming find their career path? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 52. Good luck, kid. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by... Sure, because every voice matters. And by Extron Electronics. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that focuses on the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host today. Thanks for joining us. So I think today's show is going to be one that is going to be very relatable. I think we're going to get a lot of head nods and we're going to get a lot of affirmation. Uh, you know, Whether you're on the show or listening to the show, I think you'll all find a way to connect with this one. We're going to be talking about the role of the modern day programmer. And with me to do so is a group of guests that I think will very easily weigh in on this. And uh, first and foremost, I'll start with my partner at Estate of Control. He goes by Uncle Richie, and his name is Rich Fergoza from Fergoza Design. Rich, how are you today? Good. Well, uh, mellow West Coast greetings, little rainy West Coast greetings for once, finally. So uh, glad to be back. Glad to be 100% and uh, looking forward to chatting with this cast of characters. Excellent. And uh, another familiar face. His name is Dave Hatz from AVI Systems. Hi, Dave. Great to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Looking forward to it. Thanks. And last but not least, it uh, comes to us from the Pacific Northwest, and his name is Nick Miller. Nick, how are you today? Doing well, Steve. Thanks for having me on. And uh, Rich, you're welcome for that rainy weather, finally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, we've talked a lot on this show about uh, the evolution of control and the audiovisual industry. And I think today what we're going to focus mostly on is what's the impact been on programmers? How, 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 what, what is the modern programmer's role these days? And, um, and, and how is, is it going to change moving forward? So Rich, we've been through a lot together, uh, you know, and we, and we, we, we probably uh, know about the dawn of the AV control programmer. Um, what do you see as the biggest difference between maybe, I don't know, five, 10 years ago and now as far as the programmer's role and responsibility and, and, um, and, and the, the focus uh, of a, a programmer these days? Um, obviously, the biggest thing is is that the control systems programmer has moved from having to be um, a hardware specialist more often than not. Um, when we were first started out, I mean, in, in the old days, I mean, there were still guys that we were we were soldering D sub twenty five pins on modems <laughs> and uh, you know terminating VGA cables and uh, you know and those were the things that you still had to check for when you were a control systems programmer 
five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, you're still dealing with some serial communication. You were dealing with um, analog operations, just a, a, a much different group of interfaces that you had to concern yourself with that you needed to know whether they were functioning or not, or at least be able to have enough knowledge to troubleshoot it to work with the technicians if you weren't a part-time technician at the same time. Um, now, obviously, uh, you're talking about control systems programmers have to have a sophisticated understanding of networking. Um, uh, and, and it started gradually. At first, it was like, okay, can you find an IP address? Then can you figure out if you're working remotely, how can you port forward something? Then it became a matter of, okay, well, now do you, you, know, do you know the basic ports for communication or the syntax. And now we've moved completely beyond that. Now we're moving into, do you understand uh, how to configure a switch, how to deal with IGMP, how to deal with you know, every acronym under the sun that when you sit down with, with an IT professional, you have to know a lot of the backbone and infrastructure functions of a network as opposed to just you know an IP address and that's that's probably the been the biggest change um, in that we're now dealing in in uh, uh, data packets and, and, and specific packets and getting these packets from one side to the other um, and there's just as many challenges it's just not a wire anymore. I mean, and, and at times it's even more difficult because with the wire, you could physically throw a tester on it and say, yay, you know, go, no go with it. Um, now there are, you know, at least six other variables that you have to consider while you're not able to turn on a circadian lighting system necessarily. Um, and, and so that has been a steep learning curve for some. I don't think for control systems programmers, it's, it's been as a steep curve because we deal with computers all day long. So it, it just, as a byproduct where we're kind of dealing with it and you go even further, you figure that, you know, we probably deal with our computers in our spare time as much as we <laughs> care not to admit. Um, so I think that, that is, you know, in a nutshell saying, you know, that that's where we've moved. We've moved into a virtual, we're moving more into virtual control spaces as opposed to physical control spaces. So Dave, um, Rich talked a lot about, and it, very interestingly, uh, the shift from hardware to software, the shift from hardware to networking. Um, as somebody who works for an AV integrator, there's still a, a, a lot of hardware influence, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, but what is the, the makeup that you found that, that can make a programmer most successful? Is it somebody who has that hardware knowledge and background, or is it somebody who is really more software and, and computer science based or, or IT based? You know, honestly, I, I have a hard time pinpointing the exact competencies that are, you know, a requirement because, you know, if you look around the industry, we've all come from such different backgrounds. We all have different fortes, but we, you know, so many, there are so many really awesome programmers out there that, you know, I think the commonalities are, you know, I think it's the drive and the desire that, you know, the aptitude and attitude in my mind that are the biggest key to, you know, being a successful programmer because so much of the things we touch don't work the way they're supposed to the first time, whether it's the equipment, whether it's our attempt to talk to the equipment, to, to move those bits and bytes. 
you need to be capable of, you know, of both laying a plan for how you're going to, you know, the interface you're going to create, the automation you're going to create, that experience for your end user, that's the desired outcome. And taking that, building the plan, and then implementing it, and being able to adjust when things don't go quite right. And so, you know, the programmer becomes you know, yes, they're, ex they're writing code, they're building configurations, they're, you know, they're typing on their keyboard, but the, 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 the thought process behind it, how they go through and approach, you know, both, you know, the way, you know, setting up their, their, their roadmap of how they think they're going to tackle it, but then also dealing with it when a version of firmware comes out and breaks something, when a manufacturer's documentation is missing the one line that you need, when oh wait you know this display got swapped for another one and the new one doesn't have a functional capability that i need you know it's that being able to you know to roll with it and to you know to overcome obstacles that 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 you know it's a soft skill but in my experience that's one of the the biggest keys to you know to really becoming a successful programmer so nick Following up on, on what Dave said, and 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 as well as Rich, um, is a programmer the right title for what we do? And uh, you know, because it, it sounds like there's there's a whole bag of skills, and I'm sure that you'll you could probably piggyback on, on what's already been said. But um, what, what what properly describes what it, what the outsiders think of as a control system programmer? Yeah, honestly, I think as our uh, our systems get more software defined as opposed to hardware defined as they have been traditionally. The traditional idea of the control system programmer is kind of going to have to evolve and it's probably going to go away to a more kind of software engineer uh, title or some other engineering title because really it, it's been a long time since all we dealt with was control systems. Um, if we, if that's what we ever did. Um, we're dealing more with traditional software development now than we ever have in the past. And it, it's only going to get, um, continue that, that trend. I mean, we've got DSPs running on commodity uh, Intel hardware uh, at this point. Uh, we've got control systems being virtualized, um, which is a good thing, I believe, for our industry to fall more into the mainstream technology sector um, only allows us to enhance our profile uh, a little bit more and get our foot more in that door and gain a little bit more traction um, when we're trying to um, sell or uh, explain what, what it is we do. Because honestly, for the last 10, 15 years, it's been really hard to describe exactly what it is we do to someone from outside our industry. Yeah, well, and, and it really becomes we're, we're technology integrators, not audio video integrators at this point in time. So, I mean, we're almost the, you know, it's like the, the wizard of AV integration is, is what the, the traditional programmer is. And because they're the ones who, you know, they're that mythical beast that makes it all work, you know. Right. So, uh the 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 idea that that you know it takes these different skills to to do programming you know what i hear in this conversation too is that it sounds to me like there's some architecture involved too um what what is what so how do we differentiate ourselves i guess from those and, and dave I'll, I'll take this to you how do how do we differentiate ourselves from those who are just coming in and saying hey you know what this stuff's easy you know you click a few buttons and you get a working system and and you know of course there's some merit 
in that in that the manufacturers are trying to provide these easier solutions but there's a bit of that that's watering down what is the hardcore aspects of what we do yeah well it's and it is i think it's an understanding that needs to be built that this isn't just simple the outcomes are simple but there's a lot of detail and a lot of steps along the way and so you know i think you know getting the understanding within our organizations is one challenge and you know relaying that where necessary to you know to our clients to our end users is a totally different challenge you know i think internally to our organization i think one of the biggest pieces that we try for is is sort of a mentorship and a, a stepping through the processes so that you know someone who's you know that that less experienced programmer has a, a path to see the right way to do it to learn by example to see that it's not just okay i put five buttons on a on an interface i click them and i'm done it's okay what happens when a device is powered off what happens you know the interactiveness between components the integration you know nick hit on it that more and more we're integrating with other software systems with other platforms we're not just you know it's not just the boxes in our system or virtualized you know system as it many times is it's we're integrating with other platforms with scheduling systems with building management systems and you know it, it all of that takes time to gain the experience but it also takes time to learn what to expect so what does good look like and i think you know the the idea of of mentoring and you know the teaching aspect of that is something that's hard to get from just from a manufacturer or from going to a three or a five day class from any of our manufacturers. It's the the sort of the practical application that you know each of our you know our companies, um, you know whether we're an integration, whether we we work you know large organization, small integrate organization. I think having somebody who that junior person can look to and learn from, learn the right way to do it, but also you know, having that that mindset that we're not just doing it the same way we always have, we're, you know, as an experienced programmer, I'm still open to new ideas. And it's it's that two-way street of bring me your ideas, I'll bring you mine, and let's all learn from each other. I think that's where we've been most successful. Rich, uh, I'm going to jump over to you because I think that your perspective on this is is unique in in that you also have a lot of uh, involvement on the residential side and at the and the residential side's a little bit more touchy feely you know we we've talked a lot about the technology side of this but what about the people side you know what 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 requirements are there on the people side that need to go into the makeup of a successful programmer ah oh, wow <laughs> It's um, you know there was the running joke is that we would never let the the uh, the programmers loose upon the clients, um, <laughs> um, and and there there are instances um, where you know what makes you a very good software developer and your skill set doesn't always translate um, in an environment where you're dealing with somebody's homes and their taste and style and feelings. Um, However, um, I think it's a I think I, I think it's a knock that guy that we just kind of throw on guys just because you know a lot of times we didn't understand 
you know, what they were doing. And so, um, you know, I mean, I could come in and I, and I, you know, I could, with some of my clients, I, I, I've been there, I've been their owner agent for 15 years and still I'm the programmer. I mean, I, I've done everything for them, you know, for 15 years. And when it comes down to what this is rich is our program, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and you go with it. Um, but realistically, I mean, I think that in any, in any pursuit, you, you first have to take a look at whether, you know, you are comfortable operating in a team or you're a personality that's more suited to working alone. I think once you differentiate that and yeah, and you have to be able either as a manager, as a business owner, or as that individual themselves to be able to admit where your strengths and weaknesses are. I think once you first determine that, I think that very much allows you to decide where you can fit within it. Um, you know, maybe you can go to your team and say, hey, look, I'm more comfortable, I'm more efficient as an in-house support person. I have several friends who are in the industry that are phenomenal at what they do, but their people skills, it's just not in their comfort level. And so, you know, why would I put somebody in that position when they're not the most efficient? Um, other ones, um, you know, a, a where you know, our, our, our field generals, you know, they're, they, they have that aptitude to be able to come in, work with the rest of the team, all of the associated trades and, and filter between those. That, that's a very specific skill set that I don't think that we um, train enough on and we don't encourage enough with a lot of the guys that we have. So, you know, I mean, it goes back to balance. And I think anything when you are dealing in the construction industry, which residential, we're in the construction industry. I mean, we are there with the plumbers and the electricians and the landscapers and everybody else. And, and you have to realize and embrace um, and go, yes, I am a construction tradesman. As such, I need to be able to operate within that industry and within that structure. And, you know, there was always the knock with the AV guys, with the cowboys. They just kind of come in, they had no idea what was going on, and they just run, you know, run roughshod over everything, and then everybody would be upset at them. So, um, you know, in commercial, I think that there was a, a far better understanding um, that you were part of a trade um, and you were a trade within a larger association of trades. Um, so, so for, for, you know, guys, if, if, you know, the guys that I mentor right now, it's, it's, you know, build up your skills to public speaking skills. Um, you know, uh, you know, especially now like hackathons, they're fantastic for stuff like that because it throws you into the fire of learning how to deal with people and work with people. And I normally tell the, the kids that, that I counsel, I'm like, go in and, and, and don't even go with people, you know, you know, find a way to make it work. That's a real world experience. <laughs> that you're going to generate at that point. You know, if you, you want to build code on the fly or you want to generate a product or solve a problem and you're the only one that's thrown in and you've got three other people that you've never met before, but you've got to get this done, you know, do something like a hackathon. I mean, they're, they're great for things like that. And I think that we have opportunities to attract um, programmers and to give them much <laughs> more of a foundation other than good luck, kid. Figure it out when you get there. Um, you know, which happened to all of us. And, and so I, I, I truly don't, you know, as much as I want to say, yeah, you've got to pay your dues and here you go. You know, back in my day when I used to program with a, with a stone tablet and, <laughs> and, 
and a spike, uh, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, you know, I'd write oh one oh one oh one on my chalkboard, you know, and and that was and that was a system. And by cracky, we liked it. Um, but no, there's lots of tools, and I think it it really is upon us at this point to 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 expand upon them that you know you 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 will be better at what you do if you can learn and 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 and, and build up um, your experience um, in 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 dealing with others and in dealing in a team atmosphere. And I think that's something that you know we don't we don't talk about as much because we're. You know, programming is a solitary function a lot of times, and I think to a detriment from a project standpoint. Nick, I'm going to jump over to you, Rich and Dave. Both uh, mentioned in different capacities, mentorship and training, and um, I think that that's been a challenge in in the industry you know, as a whole, as well as in especially in the programming side. We've always looked to find what's that career path look like. Where how do you find people? How do you develop people? What what type of experience or insight can you provide in terms of somebody that wants to to do control programming? How they could get involved and, and, and what, what are some of the things that they should know in getting into it? Well, one of my favorite soapboxes for the last 10 years or so has been that I would rather take a technician that's been in the field for a few years and mentor them and grow them as a programmer. If they show aptitude, they're going to be way ahead of someone who may just be graduating uh, with a computer science degree or something from a coming from a traditional development background and trying to jump into the AV industry from the outside. The person who's been in AV is going is going to just have a head is go, going to have a head start. That's that's changing a little bit as we talked about already with uh, software defined systems, but um, but it still holds true uh, currently that. Um, you, you have to know AV, you have to know the workflow of the equipment, you have to have hands-on experience with the hardware to be able to um, reasonably define what's possible and what's not. And in order to be successful, you have to, you got to know, know the players before you can <laughs> start the game. So I, uh, I, I, I think that, that that's a great point. And I, and I've kind of heard from different people that, the, you know, and I do believe you need to know systems first, but I do see that we're starting to, to see that shift to, you know, having, being able to know the, the, these programming languages that we, we just haven't been exposed to and, and the software development techniques. Um, is there any, is, is that, is, is there valid validation there or is that, that's something that, that you would say is accurate? Well, I think as we're, finally drive i feel like we as programmers are driving the manufacturers away from proprietary languages over into more uh traditional commoditized languages open source languages thing, things of that nature we're finally kind of opening that door to where we can to where we as av control system programmers can merge with uh, traditional software developers and work together to just improve things overall to improve the overall result integrate our systems uh, collectively as opposed to having siloed systems that frankly have been very, very difficult, if not impossible to interoperate. Well, and, you know, Steve, one of the things, you know, I've seen, and it's not always the case, but a lot of times the, the individuals that are successful as programmers, you know, five, 10 years into their career are, are, are people who started out 
really enjoying programming. You know, there, there certainly are some that grow up through the ranks and learn, you know, the AV progression, but I'm seeing some that, you know, they start out as programmers, but they realize early on they might take that CS degree and they don't want to sit just in a cubicle, write code for, you know, one of the big five. And, you know, that, that they're, they're not just program or software developers. I'll say, I'll even use the, the, you know, a better term. They want the hands-on, you know, to see the fruits of, of their work. They want to see that progression of make my code actually do something. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, I think, you know, if we're conscious, you know, if we're conscious of and watch for that, we can pick out, you know, individuals who show that aptitude and, you know, really value that, that hands-on application of their, their programming talents, whether it's in the, the traditional, you know, you know, manufacturer-based, you know, flavors of programming configuration, or, you know, as Nick points out, you know, we're moving more into new skill sets. And, you know, again, finding individuals that have those skill sets, but also have that desire to, to be more hands-on with the results of their code. You know, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of individuals out there that sort of fit that mold and have a lot of potential that, you know, it can save us the, the frustration of, you know, finding, you know, just finding wrong fits. And just to tag on to that, um, we, the AV industry has a huge opportunity in finding the, the people that Dave just described in that AV has, uh, has the advantage of being able to represent your skills on a large physical scale. You're not just a, an icon on someone's phone uh, at that point. You, you can stand back at the end of the day and look at a stadium or a lot any large scale deployment and say, that's what I built. My team helped create that. And that's, I think that's a huge incentive for a lot of people out there and a lot of talent, very talented people out there. I I think that's a great point. And I, I, uh, I I think that part of what we're suffering from is, is visibility. Um, And and part of it is just trying to find who are the people that really are passionate about doing what we're doing because most of the people that we find that get into it tend to stick with it. So, um, Rich, the, we're, I'm going to get bring you back in. Uh, you, you mentioned about you know different teams and and you know and having the the varied skill set and working with others and and I think that that's a great way of looking at things. And uh, are you finding more that programmers are working together on projects uh, more so than in the past rather than just taking on a a project by themselves and and what what's the driver for that i think that we're finding there's a little bit more of a common language when dealing with technicians not necessarily people internally on your own team but when you're dealing with like when we deal with it, you know, we, we, we consult and we do a lot of work with a lot of integrators all over the place. Um, and they'll have people on staff who aren't necessarily programmers, but they've been through some of the basic programming functions. They're now learning some of the configurable solutions out there. So, you know, whether it's the control floor software, the Crestron software, the Savant software, or any of that stuff that's out there, um, they're getting an understanding of what we've been doing for 20 years. And so these are, you know, I, I love it. Like my, my, my favorite thing and what I tell my integrators um, is I'm like, f- send me your greenest guy. Send me your guy who doesn't know anything. 
and he is just going to follow me wherever we go if we happen to be on site. And the reason behind that has always been you are going to learn how we do what we do the right way. Here is the reason why we do it. And even just basic things like, because again, I, I will say, if nothing else, um, the control system programmers, I feel, are some of the best troubleshooters in the industry. Because we have to know everything. We have to, what we know about our stuff is the easy part. We have to become subject matter experts on everybody else's stuff. And so I find that that's something that once you bring that and, and, and vocalize that, as that, that's part of the skill set that you're bringing to the project, that's where you start creating your value to whoever you're working with. And I think if you pass that along to a younger programmer or these guys who are, you know, starting out as configurators, basically, but maybe, you know, like Dave was saying, and like Nick was saying, maybe they find and they go, wow, I can do this. I mean, they, where they start doesn't necessarily mean where they end. And the tools start becoming available. And you can open them up and say, hey, great. Um, you know, there's lots of online classes if you want to check things out, or if this is something you're really interested in, you want to figure out how this button or how, you know, why were we able to make this work? You know, and so if it's somebody who's mechanically oriented, you're now making the transition to the, to the software side of things as well. Um, so, so, you know, in, in terms of how we bridge this all together, a big part of it, you know, really is, um, is being willing to impart that knowledge and being willing to talk about what you do. Because like I said before, a lot of times what we do is a solitary task. I can't tell you how many times that, you know, you know what, it, what it winds up being is the guy who shows up with the headphones and the laptop and he's just tapping away all day long and, you know, and he pulls it out to talk to somebody and pops it back in. You know, it's, we need to get away from that, you know, and, and that view and, and that stigma sometimes that it's seen on the job site. And I know it seems silly, but that's something that's real. That, that is, you know, when, when people say they don't understand what we do, it's because we don't tell them. We don't walk them through the process. We don't explain, even when we make mistakes, hey, this is what happened. You know, I, you know, I, I see what had happened. And so in the future, if you see this happen, you're going to be able to move your project along much more. Or, you know, again, it's, it's that tribal knowledge. And, you know, I've gone for decades about, you know, what was handed down to me, and it is, it's true tribal knowledge. And we are, as the industry is evolving, um, and this portion of it, and, and we're moving into an adolescence from our industry standpoint, now more than ever, it becomes a matter of, you know, everybody's worried about guarding their secret sauce. There isn't any. Um, you know, it really isn't. And so it becomes a matter of saying, how can you, as a professional, uh, hone your craft and expand your craft and, and educate people on your craft. And the easiest way, again, like I said, it's just, <laughs> it's hard for some. It, it really is hard for some, but, but getting over that hump to be able to talk about, this is what I do. This is why I do it. This is my process. This is how you can help me and I'm looking to help you. And all of a sudden you start building these, these new dynamics that occur where you're valued as part of the team. You are the soothsayer. We already are. I mean, from the technology standpoint, we already are those soothsayers. You know, it, it's we got to get over that inferiority complex, you know, of being just the program or being pigeonholed or, or, or griping because we're only seen as just the program. Change it um, and, and be part of that wave that changes it. I, I think that's a great, great point, a great way to, to end today's show. Um, uh, you know, I think one thing that I'll share there, and we've talked about this before, is that, you know, that there's definitely a big community of programmers that, that has been built. There's a lot of activity, uh, you know, on, on Facebook pages and so forth. There's a lot of sharing. 
Um, and I, I also think that we can learn from those younger people that are coming into the industry and it can be a two-way street. So uh, that'll do it for today's show. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for joining us and being part of it. Uh, first, I'd like to thank Dave Hatz from AVI Systems. Uh, Dave, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about AVI and uh, the things that you're doing? Well, certainly uh, avisystems.com. Um, learn all about all the, the, the breadth of, uh, of areas that uh, AVI can help you with. Uh, for myself, um, I'm on LinkedIn, um, at Dave Hatz AVI on Twitter. Um, you know, but like I say, you know, follow AVI systems before you follow me. So thanks. Uh, Nick Miller, thanks for joining us and being on the show again. How can people get in touch with you and uh, learn what you're up to? Twitter, Facebook, just about anywhere else you can find me as Nick Mill, uh, N-I-C-K-M-I-L. Excellent. And last but not least, uh, Uncle Richie, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about your company? Uh, well, uh, obviously, you can type my name into the interwebs and various things will pop up. Um, but probably the best way is uh, at Art Fragosa on Twitter. Um, obviously, uh, even on Facebook, we've been posting. We were just talking about it a bit. We've, we've been trying to actively encourage uh, the programming community to find ways to communicate with one another. Um, obviously, FragosaDesign.com, but uh, most importantly, find us here at avnation.tv. Here on State of Control, uh, Resi Week, AV Week, all of our associated shows. That's that would make me happy is to come see Uncle visit, have a fireside chat with Uncle Richie at AV Nation. <laughs> the question that I have is, do you have the Uncle Richie uh, tag yet anywhere on social media? I, I should, you know. I mean, again, it is it is pretty much stuck with me, so uh, <laughs> that that might be next. <laughs> Excellent. Well, another great show. Uh, so. Uh, you can reach me. My name is Steve Greenblatt at uh, Steve Greenblatt on social media, as well as my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. But most importantly, uh, check out AV Nation at avnation.tv. Check out this show, uh, the weekly shows, AV Week and Resi Week, as well as many of the other related shows. Uh, as well, uh, visit the underwriters who help to support these programs and, and the network and show them your appreciation. Um, We'd also like to hear from you, so please uh, please put some feedback uh, either on the website, reach out to us on social, uh, or leave us a review in iTunes. I wanted to see if we can get the, the audience to participate in some questions. So if there's some, some things you want to hear, you want answered on a show, please uh, shoot that over and, and we'll think of it as a future topic. Uh, that'll do it for today for State of Control. Thanks for joining us.